Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney. I just want to welcome you to episode 161 of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. So, I'm excited for this one. This one should be a fun, this one should be a fun episode. Um, I don't even remember where I got the inspiration for this episode, but I know it was, it was something on YouTube. Uh, I was definitely watching something on YouTube and I was like, ooh, we should do an episode about why you should enjoy when jujitsu gets tougher and uh, uh, maybe not enjoy, but why you should maybe be thankful for it uh, because man, it it is important. It is uh, pretty much the hidden reason that we all are doing jujitsu or one of the hidden reasons that we're all doing jujitsu. Uh, but yeah, I don't really have a a solid intro for you guys. Um, I'll let you know I'm not feeling the best. And so I do cough a little bit in this episode. And while I'm coughing, don't worry. I, I am covering my mouth so I don't get you guys sick. So it's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all I have. Let's, let's just go ahead and, and get into this episode. Do not wish for Jiu-Jitsu to be easier. Wish that you are tougher. So I have just a few points for you guys um, on kind of why you should be wishing for toughness. Uh, and this is coming from a guy whose podcast is based on uh, efficiency and effectiveness. And so um, sometimes I look at the podcast and I worry, what if... People are using the podcast and it's too effective. And then they're missing out on these really important kind of um, kind of hidden things that happen to all of us during our jujitsu journey. Um, kind of these important fights, these important boxes that we have to check. And uh, I just thought a good point to start with, and I talk about this on the podcast all the time, but I think I can talk a little more uh, about myself with this one and make it make a little more sense. But we have to understand that the white belt that walks into the door at a jujitsu gym, if he or she stays for a long enough period of time, if he or she stays long enough to get a black belt, the white belt that walked in will be a completely different person than the black belt that walked out. And, uh, and I think that any black belt would agree with you. No black belt that I've ever met says, yeah, I was the same person that I was when I was a white belt. There's this question that I always get when I do other people's podcasts, um, when I'm the guest on a podcast and, uh, it is, what would you be doing without jujitsu? And it's almost for me, it's this impossible question to answer. Uh, because when I started jujitsu, I was 14 years old and my mom made me, I had no desire, uh, to do jujitsu. Honestly, I had no desire to really do anything as a 14 year old. Uh, I had not really played sports, the sports that I played. There's none that I played for longer than a year. Um, I just, I didn't have a ton of desire. I didn't have a ton of drive as a kid. Uh, I was overweight and I really was needing something to do. And 
just didn't even realize as a kid. And so for me to say, what would I be doing if it wasn't for jujitsu? It is this impossible question for me to answer because without jujitsu, I wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be Josh McKinney. I wouldn't be the guy that, uh, obviously I wouldn't be the guy from the Isaka jujitsu show, but I don't really know. There's really no decision in my life um, after 14 years old that wasn't based around jujitsu. So 14 years later, 15 years later, it is kind of impossible for me to, to be able to answer that, right? And uh, I think that a lot of us, and this was me included, a lot of us put certain name tags on ourselves, certain identity uh, on ourselves that maybe a lot of times we don't even share with anybody. Um, but we put these brands of, um, oh, you are this, you will always be this. For me, a big example that I've always struggled with is uh, um, every time I would try something when I was a kid, I would play a new sport and I would play it for a year and I just wouldn't like it. And, uh, what I started to do is I started to label myself as a quitter. And so even when I would like something, even when there was something that I was enjoying and I really wanted to get better at, uh, I could feel that quitter tag that I put on myself laying heavy because I knew eventually it's going to get hard. And once it gets hard, you're going to quit. Um, a, a good example. I had a, um, this is like the only sport before jujitsu that I actually had fun doing. Um, but I had a, uh, I was on like maybe a fourth or fifth grade, like park league basketball team. And, um, first of all, we, we were terrible. We were a really bad team. Um, it was, uh, it was it was very much like the start of um like a hollywood movie uh i'm i'm asian i'm on an all black team and we are in literally an all white league we had no idea no one told us and uh you would think that we would have some type of uh upper hand but we did not all these white kids man they were they were the type of kids who's dads are sending them to every camp or something they were lighting us up so first four five six games uh we're getting wrecked and all of a sudden um mainly because the coach did bring in a ringer but uh yeah so we bring in this ringer this kid's named justin he is um he's probably 30 years old if i'm being totally honest with you guys but regardless uh he was so good that I started scoring points in games. Uh, that's how good this kid was at basketball. And um, we started to get better. We made it. We ended up winning enough games to make it to the tournament at the end of the year, like the final eight teams or something. And in the first round of the tournament, uh, we are down one point. And... Um, Things have been things have been iffy all year when it comes to me playing basketball. I've been having a blast, but I'm terrible. And I get fouled at the end of the game. And literally, there's two seconds left on the clock. We're down a point. I need to make this free throw. And I missed it. 
And not only did I miss it, but after the game, my coach, who had been supportive all year, said something along the lines of, man, Josh, we really could have used that shot. And uh, it just, to me, <clears throat> made it made basketball not fun. And as soon as that happened, I go, no, I quit. I'm not I'm not doing basketball again uh, instead of dealing with it instead of overcoming that missed free throw I quit and again I put this tag on myself it was something that I even enjoyed but as soon as I felt that it got hard I quit and a lot of us I think did this a lot of us tried to start a, a, a business or a podcast or a YouTube channel during COVID uh, a Patreon page something during COVID some type of content creation and we gave up on it and it just plays into that same exact idea of when things get hard, you quit. Um, and maybe maybe none of you guys deal with this. Maybe I'm the only one who ever deals with that uh, that identity. But there is this cool thing uh, as you keep progressing in jujitsu. Um, I always will say that like a lot of my my blue belts I've seen. And maybe this is just because I am terrible and I will make people wait at white belt for 20 years uh, uh, until they get their blue belt. But anyway, a lot of people I've seen post on Facebook after I give them their blue belt, they'll say something along the lines of this was one of or this was the hardest thing that I've ever done. And what happens uh, uh, with them? They completed it. They got a belt, and obviously it's just totally based on my and the other coaches' opinions, but still, they got something that is basically, it seemed unattainable. To the day one white belt that walked through the door two years before, it actually was unattainable. That person had to change. They had to become a different person in order to get that blue belt. And if you can do that, why couldn't you get a purple belt? Why couldn't you get a brown belt? Why couldn't you get your black belt? Once you get your black belt, if you could do that, why couldn't you pick up that YouTube channel again and, and be more consistent with it? You know now that that quitter label that you put on yourself is a lie. You know, hey, I actually can overcome something even when it gets tough because uh, maybe, maybe there are a few human beings out there who got their blue belt and it was never tough for them. Maybe even a few, maybe there's 10 people on the planet that got to their purple belt and it was never really tough for them. They were just that natural of grappler. They, you know, for BJ Penn, right? Uh, someone like that. But for most of us, by the time you get your blue belt, your purple belt, one of those you can no longer hold that quitter label on yourself. That is such a big, big thing to be able to get to blue belt, right? Um, but the the whole point of this point is that once you get to black belt, that label, of course, I still have negative self-talk that tries to convince me that I am a, a quitter, but it's way easier to shut that talk, talk up with a black belt. Honestly, it's something I think less and less about now uh, than probably ever before. And I really think that has to do with jujitsu changing you. Uh, but next point uh, that I wanted to make on why should you, you should just become tougher and not try to uh, pray that jujitsu gets easier. 
And that is, uh, I stole this from, uh, what is his name? Alex Harmozy. Um, but there is this uh, quote that your message, your mess will eventually be your message. And uh, to put that into context for jujitsu, this is actually something that is um, that, that is probably one of the most important, not thought about things while you are dealing with all of the hurdles of jujitsu. And that is that if you can overcome the hurdle, you can help somebody overcome that hurdle, probably even easier. Uh, for example, I'll give you something uh, that's non-jujitsu related, and then we'll look at some jujitsu related ex examples. So uh, my dad has been a personal trainer for 35 years, I think. Um, if you guys have never heard an episode with my dad, Steve McKinney, who is also a black belt, you absolutely should check out one of those. I don't think there's one that I recommend more than the others. They're all, they're all pretty good. Uh, always, he always delivers. Um, but anyway, he started his personal training business. We lived in the town of Madison and Madison is a very, um, low income area, uh, and just not a very good great place. And he opened his business out of his garage in Madison. And uh, that is what provided for me and my family for, I mean, our my entire existence um, while I lived with my parents. And uh, not only that, but it also, I got to watch my dad run a business um, pretty much from our home my entire life. And, uh, and also this business was his passion too. And so, uh, as I got to watch that, I got to watch him make certain moves, it, even moves that were really big at the time and maybe fail on them. And I got to see how he responded. And I got to years later, see what he said that he would have done differently. And, um, because of all this, I have a jujitsu business that I was able to start at 21 or 22 years old that is um, by a lot of standards very successful and so um, I know though that there's no way that I am able to do things as quickly um, and make the moves that I did without having seen my dad without him trailblazing for me right and so um you know, now we can kind of apply this to jujitsu. Let's say uh, one of my blue belts has uh, a is struggling with his or her mental health, and um, you know they're trying to use jujitsu as a um, as a, as a catalyst for their uh, for their mental health. They're trying to um, you know they're trying to help themselves with jujitsu, and so uh, as they do that. If me, someone who has never struggled with mental health, is their only is their only coach, their only way, uh, only person that they can even talk to about these things. Um, obviously, that isn't a great idea. They should have a uh, uh, some type of a therapist to don't talk to me about about these things. I am in no way a professional. Um, but if you have this. You have this blue belt that, um, you know, or white belt or whatever, uh, that is struggling and maybe saying, well, maybe someone with the mental health issue that I have, maybe it's impossible 
for them to get to purple belt, or maybe it's impossible for them to use jujitsu to effectively help their mental health. It's way easier than me just encouraging and, and trying to say, no, you can do it. I, you know, you really are tough. You can, you can do this versus me saying, oh, well, one of the black belts struggled with the same thing. Maybe you should talk to him. Right? If you heard that, if you were in that situation and you heard, wait, there is a there is a person that dealt with what I dealt with that feels impossible to me. And they are able to help me. They're able to talk to me. I'm able to bounce questions and ideas. I'm able to do the thing that they did. Um, there was, I was, I don't remember where I originally heard this story, but uh, um, before 1950, uh, nobody could run a four minute mile. And um, so because of this, it was thought to be an impossible feat. Okay. And so, um, in in the 1950s, I don't know when, um, but a guy, well, let's see what his name was. I put it somewhere in my notes. Roger Bannister, he ran the first under four-minute mile. And since then, 1,500 different people have done it. How many of those people can do it if not for the first? If not for Roger Bannister? Um, a lot of times us being able to accomplish a task, it comes from us being able to, uh, recognize that that task is possible. If I, uh, convince you that something is impossible, most likely you're not going to, um, spend your whole life trying to prove me wrong. Uh, most likely you won't even spend five minutes trying to prove me wrong if I convince you uh, that it is impossible. And so back to our mess uh, being our message, whatever you're struggling with now in jujitsu, not only could you overcome it, but if you overcome it, you can help somebody else do the same and help them do it as we would say on the podcast, more efficiently and effectively. Uh, and really, if you think about it, when when I think about it, that's all this podcast is. This podcast is just my mess. It's me, a guy who wanted to compete at the highest level of jujitsu and still does, growing up in the middle of nowhere, growing up at, you know, starting at a school that, that just started where there's not a bunch of black belts to guide me. There was one coach and, uh, you know, it's not a world-class school where I started. And there was even times where me and my, my 50 plus year old dad at the time were just able to train together. And we were the only people training, uh, and maybe a few other friends. That is where all these ideas of simplicity and efficiency in training and different types of training method really came from. They came because, uh, one, my coach taught me how to learn and he taught me how to learn on my own. And then after that, there were some situations that happened and we weren't able to be at the gym as much. And so we had to train on our own. And so since I had a coach that taught me, hey, make sure that you turn over every stone. Make sure that you don't that you don't say, oh, I I don't think that these people's brand of jujitsu works or these people's explaining works. He would say, no, you should 
you should probably listen to everybody. You should probably hear everybody and uh, then decide from there. Uh, and uh, just have a good coach that convinced me to not be afraid of, of ideas. That is where the show came from. And then also a lot of the, the people that I've had on the show are relationships that I had since I was a blue belt, a purple belt. Uh, and these relationships were able to stay good because again, I had a coach that didn't teach me to hate everybody. Uh, you know, it didn't teach me to fear different ideas. And so you guys have heard me have conversations with people on the podcast and maybe they said a few things that, um, you guys know from a solo episode, I don't think is true or I don't agree with, uh, but I don't argue with the person. A lot of times to just say, oh, okay. Uh, and it's because maybe their whole view of jujitsu is uh, something that I could take part of. I could take a little bit of. Maybe I don't have to agree with every single thing that they say. Uh, and that is, again, that's my mess. Uh, those relationships, those, those needs for training method and then starting my own school so young and so, uh, still early into my jujitsu, my jujitsu career, my jujitsu journey, it created all kinds of cool episodes for the show. And so, um, you know, there was this time when I was in early purple belt before I had started my own school, uh, where I had the opportunity to, um, move to, uh, where John Thomas was training. He was training in like a, a really top notch, one of the best gyms in the country. And, uh, I would have gotten to train full time there. And it just, to me, it wasn't a great fit. I really wanted to see if I could stay where I was at and, and compete at the highest level. To me, that was, uh, again, I wasn't, I wasn't praying that jujitsu got easier. Um, I was praying that I could be tougher. And, uh, I really think that if I did have a podcast, it would not be near as good if, if it didn't come from those battles of, um, of being from the middle of nowhere, because most of the people that are learning jujitsu still aren't in a, a jujitsu hotbed. You know, they're not in a place where uh, there are all these world-class coaches that you could choose which school to go to. Um, you know, most of us are are dealing with, um, uh, we're dealing with just a different situation. And I think that's why the show has been so helpful to so many people and hopefully will continue to be helpful to even more people. Uh Hey guys, Josh McKinney here, just interrupting Josh McKinney. Uh, really quick, I want to give you guys a heads up on something really exciting that we're doing at simplifyingjujitsu.com. So right now until the day after Black Friday, like Black Saturday, we are doing 40% off uh, of everything at simplifyingjujitsu.com. And that is with promo code BLACK. And so if you want any of my instructionals, my dad's instructionals, Kyle Watson's instructionals, so many great places, instructionals to grab, they're all 40% off with promo code BLACK. And uh, yeah, get over there, simplifyingjujitsu.com. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, let's do it. Let's move on. Let's look at three tips to develop black belt toughness. And um, the first tip, 
the most important tip, if there's anything that I could teach you on this show, it is uh, stop focusing focusing on what you can't control. And that's like my um, my politician way of saying it. What I really mean is stop complaining. Um, the amount of people that just whine, especially when it's stuff that is not in their control, it's it's beyond me. And a lot of times it's just, uh, I think it's because we're afraid to deal with what is actually in our control. And um, we'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, we have to stop focusing on what we can't control. For example, um, some things that I hear about people complain about is their location, where they are at, um, you know, where they're at for jujitsu. There are no big gyms around me. There are no big coaches around me. Um, I think especially now with how much free information there is, uh, I think that there's probably, I don't think you can make that excuse anymore. Um, I think that you're probably just not putting in what you need to be uh, in order to get good because uh, man, the amount of people that there are that are good. Uh, so like competing at adult black belt, it's always fun to try to explain to people what it's like, because for me, I still can't even explain how good some of the guys are that I grapple. Um, but what's also unique is, of course, when I fight Murillo Santana, of course, he's going to be insanely good. Um, and I'm not surprised by that. But there are also... All of these times that I will fight guys that are also from the middle of nowhere, and they are also insanely good. And it's really because now all the free information out there and the ability to take some trips and go train in other places and uh, and see how other people are training and actually get to feel those things and the ability to just jump into all these tournaments and compete with really high-level guys. Uh you know, I really don't think you can complain about location anymore. Uh, you look at uh, Preet Mickelson. He is from Estonia and uh, is one of the best coaches that there's ever been, in my opinion, just like in the way that he it can explain jujitsu. Uh, and a lot of people haven't even heard of him, of course, but still his ability to explain jujitsu, it comes from learning jiu-jitsu in Estonia, right? And it's such a small place. But back to the original topic, one of the biggest habits that I see out of people that I would consider not tough uh, is that every time I see them, they have a new woe is me complaint, uh, a new yeah, you know, uh, oh, a new, you know, they're a school owner and they're like, oh, uh, a new, uh, a new gym just opened. And now I'm, you know, now I'm going to not, not be able to get any new students because everyone's going to this new gym. They have a, they're part of a bigger affiliation than I am. And instead of saying, Hey, uh, I wonder what I could do to try to get more students in this new affiliation. They have this big new affiliation. What could I do? What could I focus on? Uh, to actually get this done. And so often, uh, people that are not tough 
they don't focus that way. They don't look that way or they don't look at, uh, at problems that way as something to solve. They look at a lot of their problems as, uh, a new topic to post on Facebook. And so uh, then something else, uh, another way to develop black belt toughness. And this is to say, there are a lot of black belts I know that I would consider not tough. Um, And uh, that's just probably because I'm judgmental and mean, but I've met a lot of black belt whiners, dude. And so uh, don't think that that the black belt, you know, I, I kind of said like, you will become a different person when you get a black belt. Don't make the mistake that that, um, that means all black belts are good people. Um, you know, some people are, are able to hide that they're not good people behind their black belt. So, uh, don't take this episode. This is the disclaimer part of it. Don't take it as something to mean that, all black belts are tough or all black belts are people that should be looked up to. Anyway, back to um, point number two on three tips to develop black belt toughness. Don't be afraid to change what you can. Um, so stop focusing on what you can't control. And then don't be afraid to change the things that you can control. Um, that is one of the biggest habits that I see people that I look up to that I call tough is how well and how quickly they handle situations uh, and they will make decisions even um, and important decisions at that. And uh, I think it's you know that that toughness, it, it kind of goes hand to hand, hand in hand with a little bit of confidence, right? Um, uh, and then also it's a lack of fear of, of the situation afterwards, right? Um, they just know when something needs to be handled and, um, they kind of have a faith that they can continue to handle it as it keeps going. And I think we all know people that can, that can make decisions and, um, and, and change the things that they, uh, that they need to, but I, I can kind of the example I have is my coach is, uh, um, one of, for me, one of the best examples that I could have ever witnessed, um, to do some of the things that I want to do. And so, uh, for those of you who don't know, never heard the episodes with Kyle Watson, you absolutely should. Those are, every one of those is great. Don't listen to them if you like love pigs, we get into some conversations about pig. Kyle has a pet pig and just, just trust me. Uh, don't listen to him if you're like a huge pig person. Uh, but anyway, um, so like with Kyle, when I was, I guess a blue belt, he got on the ultimate fighter and he was towards the end of his MMA career at the time. And, uh, he was also a jujitsu coach at a, at an image MMA gym, uh, at the time. And, uh, while he was under UFC contract, while he just had gotten off the show, the gym changed hands and Kyle was out of a job. And there was this point where he could have easily, and probably should have uh, moved and he could have easily went to, I mean, um, 
he was getting to train at TriStar. He could have easily went to TriStar. And, um, you know, he was on George St. Pierre's team on the Ultimate Fighter and, you know, what might have been a great fit for him. Um, but he kind of had a resolve that he wanted to start to be a jiu-jitsu coach. That was something that he knew he wanted to do. And he did not show fear. And while under contract, while trying to fight in the UFC, he uh, leased a space and started his own school. And so, um, you know, like seeing that level of, to me, toughness, in person someone not afraid to take a risk when he could have easily played it differently um and also um just looking ahead and saying hey this is definitely what i want i'm going to do it it was that was a really cool thing that really it you know it gave me courage it made me tougher um and then the third tip to develop toughness that I have for you guys is understand the marriage of toughness and consistency. And so we did an episode maybe like two weeks ago on, um, on the, on consistency, on, uh, um, being able to show up for class, being able to study jujitsu, being able to, you know, whatever it is that you need to be doing in your jujitsu life, um, being able to do it. Uh, and that is always the characteristic that I find of, um, of the toughest people that I know is that they are also the most consistent people that I know. There is not going to be a day that, you, um, you, that I need advice from my dad and he is off. He's always consistent. I mean, there's not going to be a day that I need advice from my dad at 6 a.m. and he's not awake. He's always consistent. And that is one of the toughest things to be because when I feel great, uh, and the podcast is getting more listens, podcasting is so easy. But when I am sick, like I am right now, and I, it's the day before the episode needs to come out and I need consistency, and the last thing I feel like doing is stuttering over my words for 45 minutes, that's when I need to be tough, right? Um, that's when, that's when, <laughs> that's when toughness matters, right? It's it's easy when things are good uh to be able to go to class it's easy when you're not when you're not exhausted when you're not beat up uh to be able to do these things but um hopefully you always have toughness in your back pocket because sometimes it's not going to be easy um whatever we're trying to accomplish in life whether it's uh on or off the mat sometimes it's not going to be easy and uh that's when you're going to need to be tough. And so uh, that's all I have for you guys. I hope that your jujitsu training is not getting easier, but I hope it's making you tougher. And that is the episode. Thank you guys for listening to this one. Um, I hope this one was good. I hope that uh, I hope it makes you enjoy when jujitsu gets tough makes you cherish when jujitsu gets tough because one day 
you're just going to be so tough. It's, it's not going to get tough for you. That hasn't happened to me yet, but I just, I like to believe that it will. Um, yeah, that's all I have for you guys. Don't forget about the Black Friday sale that we're doing at simplifyingjujitsu.com. Um, promo code black. And uh, yeah, that's all I have for you guys today. Hope you enjoyed this one. Hope it made you a little bit tougher. Most importantly, I hope today's episode helps you guys suck just a little bit less at jujitsu. Have a great day, guys.